Hi, I'm Jackie, and we're in a series called Faith, Hope, Love, and Lament. Lament, because as I looked back on Paul's words in 1 Corinthians 13, 13, you know, faith, hope, and love being the most important things, looking back now, I see that in every one of those concepts of my life, lament has been involved. And I started thinking, geez, Paul, why didn't you add lament? So today, I'm adding to Paul's words. We're talking about lament. Welcome to the Jackie Always Unplugged podcast, where we're having off-the-record conversations. I'm Reverend Dr. Jackie Reese, founder and president of the Marcella Project. As a pastor, preacher, and thought leader, I've walked with women of faith for decades and had thousands of conversations about what women encounter solely because they are women. At work, family, their faith, with relationships, sex, the church, their bodies, and Jesus. On this podcast, we're going to be asking hard questions, dealing with real issues, and revisiting scripture with a new lens. These conversations are going to put words to your female experience. They're going to ennoble you as Jesus intended and encourage you to bring your full self to the table. It's here we're going to reshape our view. You know, as I look back, I see shifting in my beliefs, and I see that I've had to go to Hope's funeral more than once, and there's been a lack in being loved like Jesus and, quite frankly, in how I've not loved like Jesus. Lament has been a part of my faith journey, and I didn't even know it until, well, wait a minute, we'll get to that in a second. Let me back up and just say, I have studied the scriptures for 30 years, and I missed how much of the scriptures actually talks about lament. Did you know that 70% of the Psalms are Psalms of lament? Like Psalm 44, which if I summarized it, it'd be, we've done nothing wrong, and yet we're suffering. Psalm 137, we cry out because there's an abuse of power permeating our society. Psalm 55, I've been betrayed by my person. Psalm 88, things are wrong. I'm at the end of my rope, and worse yet, God, you have abandoned me. Yeah, That's some of the Psalms of lament, 70%. And then there's Job, he lamented. And Jeremiah 29 is a lamentation. And then there's the whole book of lamentations, which I didn't even know. Well, actually, I did know there was a book. I just didn't read it. And then Jesus, right? He's He's hanging on the cross, and what does he say? My God, my God, why have you forsaken me? It's lament. See, suffering and pain and anguish are part of our human experience, and God knew that. That's why he gave us this tool, provision, lament. Now, I know what some of you are thinking, because it's the same thing I thought. What is lament? I mean, when you say that word, Jackie, because nobody walks around going, I'm lamenting, what exactly does that word mean? So glad you asked. I actually read a book called The Prophet, The Prophetic Lament by, I hope I get this right, Soon Chan Ra, professor and author, and he gives this beautiful definition. It's a little long, so hang in with me as I read it. Here's what he says. Lament is the human response to anguish and adversity and is not bound by the rules of praise. It's more like a complaint in the sense of arguing with and complaining to God about one's situation. It's an act of protest. It expresses indignation and outrage about the experiences of suffering. The lamenter talks back to God and petitions God for help in the midst of pain. In the outcry, there's hope that God will act. That's a long 
beautiful definition. If I had to give you a simple one, it would be this. Lament is saying to God, why and how long? Why, God? Why is this happening? And how long are you going to let it go on? Why and how long? I thought I would talk with some of my colleagues about lament since I was trying to figure out what is this and and what am I experiencing? And I went to a woman named Tara McDaniels to chat with me about lament. She's a church planner, a pastor, a spiritual leader, and she's in the process of writing a book called Reclaiming Lament. And it's in the conversation I had with her that I discovered that the two of us who are theologically trained pastors were never really given a lot of information or knowledge about lament until we individually got to a place where we desperately were needing it. I'd love for you to listen in on our conversation about what lament is and where we found ourselves in need of it. I suspect you will find your story in there too. So when Tara told me she was writing a book, I was like, oh my God, we got to talk about this. So Tara, I would love to know why at this stage in your life, and maybe you can tell us, you don't have to tell us how old you are, but just what stage mm-hmm. of life, why write a book now about lament? Yes. Absolutely. Yes, I would love to. So I'll say I came to faith as a child. I spent decades in ministry and church planning. And I think through all of that, I had kind of an intuitive sense about lament, but I didn't have a ton of language or tools around it until uh, it became unavoidably necessary to create them. And so what that looked like is around 10 years ago, um, my family experienced this series of losses and upheavals um, that included uh, my daughter receiving a death threat in her first semester of college from an ex-boyfriend who was struggling with mental illness. Uh, It included uh, my husband and a lot of his colleagues losing their jobs because of the fraud and dishonesty of someone else, um, out, you know, kind of alongside their business. It included um, some things shifting in vision and leadership and, in the church that we had planted and, and had been a part of for many years, which made it necessary to step away from leadership. And just as we were starting to sort of catch our breath, my mother and father-in-law came for a visit. Um, They were just to be uh, staying with us one night. And my mother-in-law accidentally uh, set a fire that that burned our house to the ground in August during a drought and 100 degree weather. So... So all of those things and, you know, more that, that, that aren't as easy to communicate happened in this really concentrated season of a few years. And what happened particularly after the fire um, is that people showed up, uh, they cared for us, they, um, they helped us salvage what could be salvaged, they made us meals, family friends took us in and were really, had us live with them. Um, until we got insurance worked out and were really, you know, spiritual parents to us. So all these wonderful things happened. And, and then people started trying to encourage us. And we started hearing things like, God will work it out for good mm-hmm. and about the fire. It's just stuff. Yeah. You know, we don't and know how to handle um, communicating we, with people who are in pain. We don't. Yeah. That's right. That's right. And so 
and, and they would say, you know, you know, aren't you glad, you know, this is all going to work out. Well, you know, we didn't know that it was all right. going to work out. That wasn't clear to us. Right. And so, so we, <laughs> you know, they meant well, but those kinds of, of words for us and others in that situation are kind of salt in the wound. Right. Yes. And, yes. and, and it's what we needed, <laughs> what we needed was, was lament that we didn't have permission we didn't have tools, and we had a lot of well-intentioned uh, spiritual leaders around us, Christian people around us, pushing us to fast forward to trust and joy and sovereignty and 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 all those things. And so, victory, victory. victorious living. We have no room for lament. We have no room right. to pause for pain. Right. That's ex that's exactly right. And so, so all of that. I, you know, I, I had to learn some of those tools for myself. And then as a spiritual director, um, I see, you know, kind of embodied lament practices being so important for people's individual journeys and process. Yeah. And I want to so, get to what you mean by that in a minute. Yeah. Um, Good. Yeah. Good. I, lo I love what you're talking about here because I had some similar things. I think all of us do, right? We have, mm -hmm. I even think there's something weird that happens where there's seasons in which like there's an implosion upon an implosion upon an implosion in your life. Um, but that happened to me in 2016. So in 2016 is when I started to realize I needed to lament and I didn't even know that I needed lament and I didn't even know what lament meant. I didn't even know the word lament, but I, I you know, Trump got elected and it wasn't so much a political issue for me as it was, um, I, I just was devastated that my male church leadership, who I had, you know, served um, faithfully underneath for a long time, um, went silent over sexual exploitation of women. And, you know, I pastor women and, you know, as a pastor, you know, how much exposure you have to what, how that wreaks um, havoc in women's lives and in marriages and you name it. Right. So I just was so, so I marched, I flew up to DC and marched in the women's march, which I've never done a protest. It felt so good to put my body to something, yes. right? Yes, absolutely. And then I got home and I was spending the summer in 2018, 2019, I can't remember. And um, I started reading in the news, you know, about the male pastors that I had respected in our tradition, faith tradition, Protestant yes. tradition, were starting to drop like flies for sexual exploitation, right? Yep. One after another. And again, I saw the church organization kind of rally around them and keep try to keep them in power. And I was just, I remember sitting in New York at my mom's house and I had no words. I started to feel despair about yes. when, how yes. long, how long yes. we let yes. savage go on to women. It's been going on for centuries. I don't see anything changing and the church is supposed to be addressing it and it's silent. And now we even see it's complicit. Yes. So I felt despair and yes. I knew I wasn't the only one. So I started calling. This is how I ended up with women. I started calling my friends, my colleagues, ministers in Dallas saying, anybody else feeling this way? And what is it? And what we yeah. came collectively to understand is we needed an expression of lament. Um, and that's how I entered into like, okay, I, that's true, but I don't even know what it is. And I don't even know how to define it. And I don't know where to find it. And it feels very awkward. So that leads me to my next question, which is why is it so awkward? It's in the scriptures. We've got a whole book called Lamentations, right? We, half the songs are lamentations. Yes. So why is it in our American culture that you and I, both ministers even, we are ministers who've been trained, don't know about this? Yeah, we have, we have no tools. We have no language. Uh, absolutely. I, uh, I, I, I marched for the first time as well uh, for 
very similar reasons um, and got a lot of pushback from uh, from extended family. And I'll say I, I wrote an essay a couple of years ago on and published it on Medium about what it's what it was like as as an abuse survivor, which I am, uh, to have a sexual predator elected to our nation's highest office. Um, and so, you know, so so there are so there are those pieces swirling around. I think. <laughs> I think there are a lot of things to say about why it's awkward. I think, I think culturally, even outside the church, you know, but right. these systems America. that we're all a part of, yeah, uh, the, the larger American and even Western culture. It's interesting when you look at the literature, you can, you can search Google books for different terms through, uh, through the era of, of uh, you know, publications since like the year 1500. And it's interesting at around the year 1800, lament and synonyms like grieve and sorrow etc started steadily declining and in 2005 the drop got even sharper it's wow. like it's like we're excising that reality that we don't want to face even from our language so we so it's not a part of our vernacular like you were talking about like you 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 had the sense and and there's this vague uh, connection to these ancient practices that show up in the Old Testament, but but how do we do it? And then um, I'll, I'll um, and I think this is absolutely true, perhaps even more so for us in the church, in the sense that um, we're we're really uncomfortable um, as as a as a people with grief and sorrow, and it's framed as a lack of trust, right, or as um, as an immature faith or something like that. And I'll, uh, is it okay to tell a quick story um, yeah, about, okay. So, so I, uh, my house is on fire. The fire department is on the way. Literally. I've gotten all the, <laughs> <laughs> my house literally is literally, <laughs> literally physically on fire. Uh, you know, the, the, the fire department's on the way. Uh, I've gotten all the living things out. Um, we were getting ready to, to go to dinner, so my hair's dripping wet. I'm barefoot. I'm holding my dog, and I take my phone. Uh, I, I, I'm pretty sure I was in shock. I take my phone, and I do a tweet, uh, and I write, the Lord gives, and the Lord takes away. Blessed be the name of the Lord, um, and when I think about that, <laughs> about posting that, today, which, which I posted it, um, I'm mostly not sorry, because I think there's truth in that, but right. I think what the church often does is they just stop there, you know, right. like, okay, that's it, there's your answer, right. or they fast forward to the end, you know, where, where Job is like, God, you're great and sovereign, and I worship you, and God restores, and, and, and they, they don't want to engage the, the, Process. The bulk of the book, which is about uh, grief and mourning and confusion and pain and comforters who are misguided, um, and 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 I think that we uh, we're on such dangerous ground and we are missing the point of that text and and many others when we don't when we don't stay in those hard places. It's hard work. Yeah, it's hard work. But it's hard work, but it's necessary work. And it's also the kind of work that if you don't engage it, it's just going to pop up in other ways, sideways. Yep. sideways. Yes. You better believe it. Yeah. One time I was at my house. I was at a town. I lived in a townhouse where there was a, a, a crossroad 
and a car got in an accident there oh. and uh, a, they helicoptered in a helicopter to flight the person out and so I walk outside and I watch this whole thing the helicopter land the crash all of it and within 30 minutes they had that woman on that plane helicopter out and the whole intersection cleaned up and I remember sitting there thinking that's mm. how you do it Yes. That's it right there. That woman's life is totally ruptured. Everybody she knows that she's close to is now ruptured. And we are all going to get back to life as if it didn't right. even happen. The car five minutes That's from now right. drives through here, not even aware. So we have no way of, of grieving. Right. We'll, do the, we'll do the moment of grieving, right? Like someone dies and we'll show up maybe and we'll give them a weekend. But we don't do long suffering grieving. That's right. right. If it goes on too long, what we say is, you got to get back to this victorious living, right? Don't you yes. find that? Absolutely. Absolutely. I, I found it myself. I, I see it with those I'm walking with. Yes, we're uncomfortable with the fact that that grieving complex things takes time. And and what is Me Too and Church Too and, and you know, Black Lives Matter, Matter and some of these things that have really been kind of unmasked in our you know, in this time, um, in fresh ways, particularly, you know, I think I'll, I'll pause here and say, I think for our marginalized brothers and sisters, yeah. you know, that, they, it's not new. They've yeah. been quite aware and they've been experiencing it, um, in ways, uh, far beyond, you know, people of privilege like me, but, but I think for many, it's been an unmasking and, and we see now and, and it's, there aren't easy answers. There aren't quick solutions. And so the invitation is to stay with it. Yeah. Um, yeah. I, I heard a, uh, a trauma therapist recently talk about her, an essential practice for her is to create boundaried space for joy, you know, for just hope and living life. And I, I think that's wise and absolutely true. And I think, as, you know, in all of these things that we're talking about, uh, this that are systemically broken, as well as our own, you know, pain and disappointments, and just, you know, the right. detritus of living life, to create as well boundary space for grief is is just as essential. Yeah, I recorded that conversation with Tara months before the pandemic. I think God knew. I think He knew that we needed to be talking about lament, that we needed to bring forth this provision of His. N.T. Wright wrote a piece for the time called Christianity Offers No Answers About the Coronavirus. It's not supposed to. Very provocative title. <laughs> but his point was that we don't need to get answers, we need to lament. I highly recommend you read that article. And it was interesting, last night a friend of mine called and she started sharing how she was very frustrated. She had put in a, um, her application at the bank. They hadn't um, responded for a small business loan. She's very fearful about what this is going to mean if she doesn't have any income coming in. And she's talking about the injustice of who's getting these loans and who's not. And then she feels guilty because she's not even suffering like so many others. And she was going on and on. And then I could see she felt embarrassed, bad, that she was feeling this way. Like, like somehow she should be, you know, talking about gratefulness and joy and thankfulness. And, and I finally just said to her, hey, so-and-so, let me put words and give you permission to what you're expressing right now. What you're doing is you're lamenting, and there's nothing wrong with that. In fact, God has 
says it's normal and okay, and he's even provided ways for us to engage in lament. And I get her lamenting. It's interesting being in a house locked in with Steve and I. We've always worked from home, so this isn't that big of a transition for us. But right now, I can't get near any other people. And I'm an extreme extrovert, and so I'm putting a lot of weight on our marriage, right? Like, he needs to now meet all of those needs that were met by, oh, thousands of other people. And it's interesting because he's an eternal optimist, and I, well, he would say I'm negative. I think I'm a realist. I'm sorry, I'm just a realist. But the truth is, for me... This has been really heavy. It, ha- it hasn't personally impacted me yet, but I'm a pastor and a friend, and I am literally feeling like I'm carrying the weight of others around on my shoulders. There are others who are suffering, and it's caused me to lament. And I'm not going to apologize for that any longer. God has provided this for us as such a t- for such a time as this. He's provided it for me, and he's provided it for you. You know, Tara spoke about embodied mint, embodied lament, this idea of doing something, acting it out with our mind, body, and souls. And we all do that in different ways, and we must because we're individuals, we're one of a kind, never to be seen masterpieces, and we're going to respond to this differently. And what we need and how we go about this is going to be according to our personalities. But I want to suggest that you do something that you put into practice, especially right now, but we need it throughout our lifetime, this um, practice of, of a spiritual discipline of lament. You know, it may be creating something or burning something, or as a friend of mine did one time, take a sledgehammer to a piece of furniture that represented the suffering inflicted on her and her family. Maybe it's writing a psalm or screaming, or maybe it's simply reading the psalms. But if that's the case, I I do want to say one thing that I wish somebody had told me a whole lot earlier, and that is um, you can read the Psalms in seconds. And and usually how it goes in the Psalm of Lament is it's the complaint, and then you get down to the end where you're like so excited and praising God because he's amazing. And my problem when I was younger and people would say to me, oh, you're not doing well, go read the lament, the Psalms of lament. And I'd try and I'd be like, okay, I read that in 30 seconds, but I'm not exactly like hallelujah Jesus yet, you know? And it wasn't until maybe five, seven years ago, I can't remember, I was at a conference with Nate Tasker. He's an Australian musician and he writes songs of Psalms, right? So he, he writes Psalms and then he sings them. And so he was sharing with us this song of lament that he wrote, and he shared with us the process of how he came to write this psalm. And it was over a two-year journey with Jesus. And what had happened is he and his wife had lost two kids at birth. And so there was a rupturing in his soul, and he was wrestling down Jesus this, con- this loss for two years and, and he would wrestle, and, and he'd come to some things with God, and, and then he'd write a sentence out. And then he'd wrestle and wrestle and, and maybe even just doubt or walk away from God for a while and then write another sentence. And so it was like a light bulb went on, off, on for me. It was like, oh, my God, I can read the Psalms of Lament in seconds, but the truth is they took years to be formed. Those words took years of wrestling down. So just know that. Don't be as frustrated as I used to be reading the laments. And Tara, let me just recommend that if you need some resources, Tara McDaniels is a great resource. You can, you can tap her at taramcdaniel.com. 
She's done a lot to develop this practice of lament. Let me just say trauma is happening in us and around us. Grieving and lamenting is a critical part of trauma healing because we always lose something as a result of trauma. And so what I see here is that God is actually giving us permission to lament. We're at the end of the series, and I'm not going to tidy it up. I'm not going to put a pretty bow on this. As we try to live out Paul's words, you know, the three things that really matter, faith, hope, love, we're also going to have to add some lament. Not going to tidy it up, but I will leave you with Jesus' words. Blessed are those that mourn, for they shall be comforted. Hey, if you've enjoyed this conversation, then hop on over to themarcellaproject.com and sign up for our email or check out some of our other resources. You can also find me on the Marcella Project Facebook page or on every other platform of social media as Jackie Reese, R-O-E-S-E. Have a great day.